And uh, thank you. You guys are brilliant. You really are. So, so grateful for you. Well, good morning. My name is Glenn, and uh, I'm the pastor here at Willow Park Church South, and one of the pastors here at Willow Park Church. We are one church in four locations, six congregations, and, uh, and we're just grateful that you have come here this morning. If it's your first time, you'll find a Connect card in the seat pocket right in front of you, and if you fill that out, as many people do each week, then uh, we will connect with you, let you know a little bit about what's going on in our church, and answer any questions you might have. And if you do that, then you get a gift bag just as a thank you. And there's some all sorts of different goodies in there, like a journal and various other things. So that would be great. One thing is our Willow on Prayer meeting. Galatians, I want to give you a little bit of a... Oh, thank you, babe. I want to give you a little bit of a bit dodgy. Um, this is the first time I've preached since... Uh, been sick for most of the week, so that is only coffee. Just in case any of you might be thinking, otherwise I've got my mints, which are also only mints, and uh, I have my water, and so with, by the grace of God, my voice will hold throughout. Uh, last week, uh, the team covered the Sunday for me. I was very grateful. Um, I've been speaking uh, for almost 30 years, since I was about 17, and uh, it's the first time I've actually called in sick. I've uh, preached most weekends since then. I preach sick a lot, but I didn't think any of you would be, uh, would be thankful for me to come and, and just basically splutter all over you for, uh, for the time that I'm speaking. So thankful for the team that, that led, and uh, it was good. So last week, Galatians, we were actually... Have I left my... Uh, I've left my remote. Pastor Phil on the video actually was preaching on Galatians chapter 4... And really primarily verse 8. We're going to be looking at Galatians chapter 4 in a second and looking at the rest of the passage. It is to me that one of my kids might end up somewhere in the world in a dangerous place serving Jesus. That would terrify me that I could be secure that even if in God's wisdom he decides to let that happen, that if Jesus is the one that I love more than my kids, then if they're doing that for Jesus, then my security could be in Jesus, not in what they are doing or not doing. Kids are incredibly enslaving. I love them to bits. But we shouldn't worship them, nor what they do or what they don't do. And I can tell you I have lived through this. I've lived through this. The struggle and the tension of it. But if we as parents continually point towards Jesus, love Jesus more than them, love Jesus and and what he is doing in our lives, and we continually point towards that, then we can be secure in the knowledge that they too will have every possibility of coming to know him. And then we can be secure in that. Because everything else is beggarly. Everything else is enslaving. And we can enjoy all these things. We can enjoy money. We can enjoy family. We can enjoy relationships. We can enjoy knowledge and position and past accomplishments. And even our looks and our health and our leisure. We can enjoy all that if we are not holding them like this. If we hold them like this, continually pointing to him and saying, because of Jesus, that's freeing. Why would we... Drift back to worshipping the created rather than the creator. True freedom is found in getting the order right. Jesus plus, not my statement, many, many people have said this, Jesus plus nothing is everything. Jesus plus nothing else. It's all you and I need. The freedom in that. So, Let's finish up. 
by looking very practically at how do we live like this. Because I think if, if you've been even only half listening, which I'm sure many of you have been doing a lot more than that, but that you will understand, yeah, I, I can resonate with that. There's something that continually draws me back, that causes anxiety in my life. So what do I do about it, Pastor Glenn? Well, so helpfully and in good preaching terms, I've got four R's for you. R's. Okay? Number one, you need to recognize four steps to the process of the root of idolatry. How do we fix our attention upon Jesus? The first thing we need to do is we need to recognize what it is in our lives that continually causes us to drift back to worship it. We need to take some time, we need to take some inventory, we need to sit and we need to be honest with ourselves. What is it that's causing me anxiety? Maybe you need some help with this. Maybe you need somebody who loves you or somebody who's professional to help you work through. What is it that you are placing a center in your life that you are codependent on that if you don't get this, you will not be happy about that? Examine your habits, your behavior, your frustrations, your anxieties. Even your reaction. So you're driving along in your car and somebody cuts you up and you just want to jump out of the car and rip their throat out. You're like, what? Come on. What is that? What is it that that is being affronted in your life that is causing that reaction? What is it you're guarding? What is it that you are holding on to that you must have? Because if you don't have it, there's a reaction to it. What is that? So some helpful questions might be, what makes you really anxious or angry? That life, I don't have that. Life's not even worth living. Really? Is that pointing to something that really you are holding on to far too tightly and maybe worshipping? What do you, this is, this is a big one for me. What does your mind just daydream towards? When there's nothing else distracting you, what is it you just naturally start thinking about? Do you naturally start thinking about the Lord? Now, some of you would have gone like, really? That sounds a bit sad. Just think about Jesus. Yeah. That's what I want. But when my mind has got nothing else to focus on, I want to focus on the most ultimate and beautiful Savior who gave his life for me. That in him is life found. My mind goes and drifts towards that. The natural inclination of my soul and spirit and mind towards Jesus. I'm going to find life in that. So what is it that I'm actually drifting towards in my thinking? What occupies my mind? So we need to recognize it. This takes work. It's not comfortable. But can I encourage you to do it? Encourage you to think about it. Take stock. If you're really brave, husbands and wives, ask your partner. What is it, what is it that I always seem to be anxious about? What is it that I seem to just get triggered by? What is it that you notice and, and, and lovingly listen to them? Then attend Marriage Alpha. Maybe the whole two hours could just be talking about this. I don't know. So, first of all, recognize. Secondly, root it out. You need to root it out. So, let me give you an example. Um, as many of you know, about five years ago, I can't believe it was that long, I had what would be uh, framed, uh, maybe in non-medical terms, is I burnt out. And so what that meant was I just hit a wall, was just 
crying a lot for no reason. Any of you know me, that's not my normal MO. That's my wife's job. Um, she's the crier, and I love her for it. And I, just, I just couldn't function. I just stopped. My sleep went. My started piling on weight. I was lethargic. I was frustrated. I got triggered really quickly. I, I just like, and it just got worse and worse and worse until basically I became incapable of doing anything other than sometimes just sitting literally in my closet with the lights off. Contemplating whether or not I want to even come out. Thinking that if I, having a plan. You know what I mean by that? That's how bad it got. And so with people who love me a lot and, and including obviously primarily Sarah who was phenomenal through it and you guys who were there around at that time were, were amazing and giving me some time off and, and having a church family and church leadership and eldership who said we love you enough that you need to take this time off and so that's what I did and I got doctor's advice and I had counsellors and, and, and it was a rough period, it was a rough year for sure and it took me a long time to get into the year and it took me about a year to 18 months to start feeling normal again in fact, so much so that I look back at that and, I, and it feels so alien to where I feel now. It gave me a new perspective on anxiety and depression because before that it was like, really? Come on. I'm a bit anxious. Really? That's how, just be honest. For those of you who feel that way a little bit towards people who feel anxious or depressed, actually having experienced it, I will never have that paradigm again. It's been completely helpless and you can't just fuck yourself up. It's impossible. You can't do it got pretty dark. And so one of the processes that I went through is, is really these R's. I started recognizing there were things in my life that were causing me extreme anxiety and things that I was focused on and spinning on and triggering me. And so I went through the process with counselors and with Sarah. And honestly, 80% of it was just me and my journal. Got to be honest. Through prompts from other people, but a lot of time, started recognizing what the things were. And then I started rooting it out. What do I mean by that? I started asking a really powerful question. Why am I anxious about this? Why? So I'll give you an example. One thing that I was incredibly anxious about at the time was the size of this church, which is the craziest thing in the world because I can't make people come. And so I, and I used to get incredibly hurt when people left. Now, this isn't, I'm not applying leverage to any of you who are thinking about leaving. If you think about leaving, God bless you. KGF, down the road. Go for it. No, I say that awfully flippantly. I don't mean that at all. But um, the KGF isn't down the road. You have to go <laughs> pursuit. Um, I don't mean that at all. But at the time, it used to chronic, why are they leaving? And then it used to be, why am I feeling so anxious? And, and then... Well, because I, I, why would they want to leave? Well, why am I feeling that way? And why am I feeling that way? And why am I feeling? And I used to come down and down until eventually I got to the final thing, approval. I needed people's approval. And when somebody left, I took it personally because I took it that they didn't like me. I needed approval. That was my idol. So often the things that we worship point to a deeper issue. Why is it so important that you get that extra dollar? Why is it so important? Well, because. Yeah, but why? Why, why, why fear? Fear of what people might think about you. Fear of the future. Fear. And so you start cutting it down. You start rooting it out. You get to often one word, approval. For me, that I needed people's approval. 
I needed to be able to feel good about myself because of the size of the church. And so by recognizing the anxiety, people leaving the church, rooting out the real reason, I could then come to the Lord and ask the question, why do I need this approval? And I repent. Lord Jesus, I know that there is nothing wrong with people thinking about, thinking well of me, but I repent and confess that I have made that ultimate in my life. And that's when it broke. Do I care? Of course I care. But it doesn't hold me anymore. In fact, the Lord said to me, Glenn, spend more time um, and energy on, on, on uh, the people you are trying to reach rather than the people you're trying to keep. Because I'd spend so much time trying to coax people in. It was exhausting. So when you get to that point where you can root it out and then you repent, Lord, I know there is nothing with, my, with me wanting my kids to be safe and successful. But Lord Jesus, I confess that I have made that ultimate in my life. And I'm afraid that they'll reject me. I'm afraid that they're going to reject me as a parent because I've not given them every opportunity. Lord Jesus, I, I, I confess that I am living out something in my kid's life that I never had because of what I hold against my mum and dad. I start rooting it out. I tell you, it's messy, but it's liberating. It's freeing. And you might need help to do that. So you repent, and then finally, and this is so important, replace. Recognize, root out, repent, and replace. There's this incredible um, story that some of you will know, maybe have studied, the, uh, called the Odyssey. And, and one of the main characters in, in the Odyssey is Odysseus. And uh, what they had, and you've seen this on different movies, you've had this, uh, these characters in it called the, uh, the Sirens. And the Sirens were these characters that would try and draw sailors onto the rocks by their beautiful singing. And you might have seen it on Pirates of the Caribbean or different stories. And, and so it's, it's rooted in this story uh, of, of Odyssey. And so they would, they would coax by their beauty. Come follow us, because that's what idols do. Come follow. You'll find life. You'll find truth. You'll find freedom. You'll find happiness. And they coax us onto the rocks. And that's where we get enslaved and we're getting problematic. So what we can do is one of the answers was they came up with was tying themselves onto the mast and putting wax in their ears so they wouldn't hear the beautiful singing. That's sheer will and discipline. And does it work? Well, yes, to a certain extent, but it's miserable. It's not a place where we ought to be living. And so Jason and the Argonauts, there was a character called Aphius on there, and he had this beautiful talent of playing a lyre. And so what he would do is, was like guitar, he would play the lyre. So rather than tying themselves to the mast to resist the sirens, what they would do is they would play the lyre and the music would fill the sailors' ears and they would place their attention upon that music and they wouldn't listen here the music of the sirens. Because can I tell you, family, uh, relationships, money, all these things have got a beautiful music to them and, they're, and, and, and that's, that's God-given, it's wonderful. But we will get enslaved to it. So what we need to do is we need to listen to the even more beautiful sounds of Jesus. We need to fill our ears, eyes and lives with the wonder of God that he chose you, that he found 
you found favor with him, that you are known by God. See Jesus, the one who is the most powerful, the most loving, and he is the one who's going to protect your kids, protect your finances, protect your future. Root yourself in him. Fill your ears with that beautiful music that he sings over you, likes you, has favor towards you. Fill your life and attention and thoughts and ears and eyes with that. And it will slowly, just like the old song says, fix your eyes upon Jesus and the... and and his beautiful grace and the things of earth will grow slowly dim they don't disappear they dim down wow beautiful you would know God and be known by him so root these things out this is why as a pastor it's so important that we focus on this topic in particular because it's freeing it's freeing and so Paul in this passage is saying why why would you be drawn back when you are known by God? So here's what we're going to do now. So we're going to spend a little bit of time just in worship. There's a song that Sarah can lead us in. And, and it's an opportunity for us actually to present ourselves before him. Let us close our eyes right now. Hallelujah. What is it you are really anxious about now? Let me say to you, there is no sin in the anxiety. Jesus himself tells us, cast your cares upon me. Paul says to pray. He says to pray continually, which is filling your ears with the beautiful music of the Lord. What is it that seems to be consuming right now? Is it to be known, to be recognized, to feel security? in the quietness of your own heart just ask the Lord now Lord show me Holy Spirit what is that rock in my life that seems to be all encompassing Hallelujah Lord, I pray that with our eyes closed and our heads bowed right now, that, Lord, there will be prayers of repentance and confession that happen in this place today. But, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you willingly went to the cross took all the sin and the shame that I truly deserve to be punished for. You took that punishment instead of me. And Lord Jesus, I choose to fix my attention upon you. I want to fill my ears and my eyes 
with your beauty, your sacrifice, your love for me. And Lord, I pray that the knowledge of that would increase in me, that Lord, that that would be that which fills my mind and my heart and my attention. They would be enough. To be known by you would be enough, Lord. Thank you for the good things you continue to give us. Thank you for the family. Thank you for the wages, the salaries, the income. Thank you, Lord, for past achievements. Thank you, Lord, for the knowledge, the reputation, the position. Thank you, Lord, by your grace. Lord, you have given those good things to us. But Lord, I pray that we would be a church that is continually pointing attention towards you. Making you our rock. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that this week, that Lord, each one of us who hears this right now, online, through the recording, that Lord, that we would find time to sit down with you and to listen. That Lord, we would root out some of the things that continually cause us to drift onto the rock. And thank you, Jesus, that you are graceful, loving, kind to forgive. Hallelujah. And thank you, Lord, that there's freedom in that. Hallelujah. Ultimate freedom and joy. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand together. This is a beautiful song to fix our attention.